Alô, alô! Você está ouvindo Se Vê, Se Escuta, um podcast de justiça linguística para intérpretes, trabalhadores de justiça linguística e todo mundo que está tentando se virar remotamente. Se Vê, Se Escuta é um projeto do Centro para Mudança Participativa. Olá! You're listening to Se Vê, Se Escuta, Seen and Heard, a language justice podcast for interpreters and language justice workers and everyone else who is just trying to do the damn thing remotely. Cerveza Escucha is a project of the Center for Participatory Change. I'm Ada Volkmar. Um, many of us um, who are interpreters um, were doing um, remote interpreting before COVID-19. We might have had a laptop, two cell phones, a headphone here, a headphone there. Um, but the last six months has meant a lot of remote interpreting, a lot of learning new platforms, troubleshooting interpretation functions. So in today's episode, what we want to do is check in with a couple of folks and just ask about their experiences with remote simultaneous interpreting. And when we say remote interpreting, that just means that you are not in the same room as the folks that you are interpreting for. So that could look like interpreting over the phone, using the newish Zoom interpretation feature. There are other platforms like ZipDX, Ablio, Voiceboxer. So today we're kind of like nerding out checking in with interpreters and language justice workers, seeing how things are going in this remote interpreting world. And so we are going to check in with folks in Houston, in New Orleans, and here in Asheville, North Carolina, to see how people are doing. So without further ado, I am here with Hannah Thalenberg, uh, who is in Houston, who is a part of Antenna Houston. Um, hola, Hannah. Thanks for that intro. Thank you for bringing Portuguese to Sabesa Escucha. Yay! Um, so, Hannah, you are part of a collective in Houston, Antena Houston. Uh, you want to tell us a little bit about the collective? Yes, Antena Houston, as it is named and recognized as a language justice collective, has been around for five years. Uh, it was founded by J.D. Plucker, Marianela Cunha-Reasa, and Silvia Chicas. Uh, and we work with community organizations and different groups to build their capacity to create multilingual spaces where everybody can bring their full selves to the work of organizing and where no language is prioritized over others. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so March 2020, coronavirus, covid um, what happens with Antena Houston and with y'all's work? Wow, wow, wow. Uh, so in the beginning of the pandemic, especially because most of us uh, work as freelancers, we were operating from a place of scarcity, right? Events that we were supposed to interpret are being called off. A few organizations that we partner with are shifting to virtual events. And we're taking every gig possible because that's that's a financial need, right? Um, and learning as we go, building a plane as we fly it, learning Zoom mm -hmm. interpreting uh, with all resources that we can find, including videos from the Center for Participatory Change. Thank you. Uh, and that became really 
exhausting. Uh, we, after, after a little while, just, you know, still going, figuring it all out, uh, we realized that what fills us up as we do language mm-hmm. justice work is to be in community with the folks we work with, right? To hug people before an event, mm-hmm. to share meals, to, you know, get into all the Houston chisme. And we weren't getting that. We weren't getting that mm-hmm. through through Zoom and um, remote interpreting, right? It was always like we're we're far away and isolated and inevitably troubleshooting because I have yet to see a remote meeting that does not have some kind of technical difficulty. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was when we decided to um, honor our own needs and boundaries and um, decide that we were going to take a while to take care of ourselves and each other and our families and community Um, especially because now that everyone has transitioned to virtual meetings and events, uh, the physical location of an interpreter doesn't matter, right? So we can Mm -hmm. refer folks to some compas who are still working and providing virtual interpreting anywhere. So I can imagine that, um, like you mentioned, like Antenna Houston has been around for five years, um, you are working with all of these folks. You're like getting your your work and your name out there. I cannot imagine it was an easy decision to say, you know what, we are pausing with a purpose. We are, um, yeah, we're on we're on pause. So we are not taking gigs as Antena Houston. Um, do you want to tell me a little bit more about that? Yes. Uh- you are definitely correct to assume that that was not an easy decision to take, uh, especially because our work had been ramping up so much. I was actually just before uh, meeting up with you today, looking up, it's like, okay, there's data on this. In the year 2019, Antenna Houston, which, mind you, over the past few years, we've had anywhere from three to five collective members at any given moment. Uh, in a small but mighty solidarity network of mm-hmm. language justice workers. And last year, we worked a total of 138 events, 540 hours. Uh, it's a lot, a lot of just like responding to requests, hustling to make sure that um, we were, you know, co-creating multilingual spaces in as many, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. for as many, f- with and for as many mm-hmm. folks as possible. Mm-hmm. So we we were already thinking about how to focus the resources and time that we have mm-hmm. uh, into working with partner organizations that are committed to incorporating language justice into their work and building the capacity of their membership um, and really investing in language mm-hmm. justice as opposed mm-hmm. to just, um, you know, like requesting interpretation for an event, yes. right? Yes. Um, and mm-hmm. we... we we were having to remind ourselves like we're we're approaching our work as movement building not just service provision right it's not a transaction uh so as we are trying to kind of slow down right from mm-hmm. a period of like growth and acceleration mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. suddenly with um the pandemic bringing a lot of 
things to a screeching halt. Um, we did we did figure out this purpose, right? It's like of the the purpose part of the pausing on purpose, right? Which is mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. we are not machines. <laughs> we um, we really want to prioritize um, our self care and community care, uh, and recognize that circumstances have shifted for a lot of us, right? Uh, from you know, working a full-time job or now homeschooling uh, full-time and getting into school and different projects and supporting Mm -hmm. the movement for Black lives Mm -hmm. uh, through the sustained uprising that we've been seeing. Mm -hmm. Uh, after, After a lot of discussion and digging into what it is that really sustains us in language justice work, and what we need and what we were not getting that we need. Um, we we felt very affirmed and grounded in our decision. Yeah. I want to say that um, I really feel like what, what you all have done and are doing is very brave. And I think for me, it has set an example. Um, most of the interpreting that I do is, is freelance. Um, but it's set an example for me to also be able to say no. I think, you know, um, whenever, I always believe in like, when you see someone else doing something and then you see that it's possible. I think when I I heard the the news, you know, uh, from Houston, um, yeah, I just thought how brave and it was inspiring for me to kind of be like, no is a, is a, is an option. (laughs) No is an option and pausing is an option. And like you said, referring is an option. I think that there was a lot of rush and a lot of urgency, and there still is um, folks wanting to do language justice, like, yeah, you know, and folks wanting to do language justice um, with a sense of urgency, which I don't think works really well. And I really admire that you all really see it as a collaboration, like with the clients that you have, with the folks that you work with, it's a collaboration. And um, so I just wanted to say, like, um, yeah, I, I just think you're you're very, very brave. <laughs> Aww, thank you for this affirmation. And it also makes me really happy that no is an option for you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It really it really is. I'm like, no, and no, thank you. And yes, and no. Right. Um, and it makes the yeses feel even better. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yes. Yeah. I want to ask you, what are some of the things that you've learned in in this pause? I personally have learned a lot about myself, to be honest, um, just because, you know, at the rhythm that everything was going before the pandemic, I didn't have a whole lot of time for that. And if left to my own devices, I don't tend to make myself a priority. Um, so it's been really wonderful to get to um, dig down into my own needs and fears and aspirations and to do that um, with the support of folks around mm-hmm. me. So if anything, it is so reinforced um, just how much um, community and mutual care uh, are essential to make any kind of movement work sustainable. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. 
Is there anything else that you want to add? Anything else like messages to language justice workers, folks in crews, collectives, uh, co-ops? Um, just so much love and solidarity and gratitude for all the work that's being done in language justice. And I love, love, love that the revolution, that the abolition of the prison industrial mm. complex, that uh, the end of racial capitalism will be multilingual. And mm -hmm. I absolutely cannot wait. I really appreciate you and I really appreciate being in community with you and being in this language justice community with you. So thank you so much. Uh, and thanks for, yeah, thanks for coming on the, on the podcast. Um, it's an honor. Gracias. Hola, hola, Judith. ¿Cómo andas? How are you doing? Hola, hola. I'm good. I'm good. I'm well. I am in New Orleans right now. How are things with COVID, with La Rona, Corona? <laughs> um, ¿Cómo andan las cosas? Well, my family was impacted a while back. My brother and his wife and kids were um, infected. They're in Houston, uh, but they're well now. They got better. Um, it's just one of those things, you know, you have to keep in quarantine. Uh, I go back and forth between Texas and New Orleans, so I have to get tested pretty regularly. Um, and, you know, I've had different episodes of reactions to whatever it is, or just you know, allergies or just the move and the stress. Mm. Um, but I'm well, I have not gotten infected yet, or hopefully, you know, never, yeah. but it's it's unnerving tell me how how is remote simultaneous interpreting going for you and tell me a little bit about uh, the banchas and bancha lenguas we're super busy these days uh remote interpreting is um you know happening all over so many organizations are hitting us up for services um not just locally but nationally uh We do a lot of different type of work with, um, yeah, like different collectives and big organizations that um, are intentionally doing language justice work. Some of them, some of them just really do need interpretation because they have a lot of um, parents and Latino mm. folks involved and they don't speak English or don't speak English very well. And so um, they hit us up and the Banchas are doing great. I mean, we're working. Some of us uh, rely on interpretation work, language justice work uh, for survival right now uh, because some of us, you know, did lose some work um that we were doing before but yeah we're we're growing um as a collective i we don't have any new members but there's always new folks that um wanting to do this work and we're trying to figure out how to get more trainings how to also just teach ourselves and what you know kind of record our best practices and, and learning doing remote simultaneous uh interpretation because we're learning a lot Uh, you know, I think the whole world right now is learning a <laughs> yeah. lot about how to yeah. do this well and, and how to be inclusive. Um, and, and actually it gotten to the point where people are having that intentional conversation about language justice, you know, and language access. Yeah. And for, for folks that don't know, will you tell us about the collective? How many folks are in it? Uh, 
What does uh, Bancha mean or where does Bancha Lenguas come from? Yeah, Bancha Lenguas is uh, Bancha Lenguas Language Justice Collective based in Bulbancha, aka New Orleans. Bulbancha being the indigenous name of New Orleans. Um, it used to be, it still is, you know, a place of, <clears throat> of trade, a place where many um, identities come together, many nations, many people come together and speak many different languages. And that's what Bulbancha means. Um, the place of many tongues are spoken. And so Bancha Lenguas came out of that to honor, you know, that identity, that name and that, that history. And we're all transplants, you know, speaking different languages, um, specifically Spanish. You know, we're a mix of pochos and uh, Spanish speakers. And so Bancha meaning a lot of uh -huh, lenguas, uh -huh, you know, uh -huh. so uh, many tongues. Um, and I... Um... I guess, so what I uh, saw you all do uh, from from far away was really kind of jump into mutual aid work. I don't know if that's how you describe it, but I think pretty early on you all were interpreting and then you also kind of shifted and and added some more things to to your work. So I wanted to see if you would tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, a lot of us were doing solidarity work already before the pandemic. You know, we're always trying to figure out how to um, um, how to raise funds, how to charge organizations that can afford interpretation so that, you know, kind of offsets what we do in solidarity for other groups that are in need, um, urgent needs. And then when the pandemic hit, you know, a lot of us already instinctively, in instinctively just jumped into action, you know, um, with the mutual aid support, uh, helping a local uh, undocumented uh, community of color, uh, an organization, Familias Unidas en Acción, who uh, we do a lot of solidarity work with, but also do a lot of just mutual aid um, and just overall support of their work uh, by interpreting and translating documents, um, you know, things like that. But when the pandemic hit, they started to create a, uh, a food bank with culturally relevant foods and for the undocumented community that didn't have access to any of the government resources that anyone else, you know, with documentation could have access to. Um, and we were supporting them uh, with that in the beginning. Uh, coordination, you know, doing the actual labor, putting things in boxes, going to mm -hmm. shop for things, taking care mm -hmm. of each other, and um, interpreting and translating their 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 materials, um, and reaching out to people for donations and things like that. So um, that's still happening. They've stopped and taken a break because that they were doing a lot of solidarity work, you know, with limited resources and funds and people. Um, so they've had to stop for now, but they're still aiding those most impacted. Um, I think they have mm. certain families that they're working with right now, but um, Bancha Lenguas have also, you know, started to take on more interpretation gigs and um, also just supporting in, in a more long-term way. Uh, we do interpretation for their um, uh, cooperative uh, oh, collective yeah. uh -huh. work. Uh, uh -huh. so, you know, we're, we're still working together and we're still trying to figure out what it looks to be, um, a sustainable uh, collective to you know, offer support and, and resources. 
It makes me think that that uh, that you all, that Banchalenguas and Familias Unidas, have really kind of like, um, I don't know, I think about this like coming together, like you really have kind of like grown and worked and and I feel like really loved on each other. I feel that there's like a lot of respect and love and and as you all kind of like grow up in in this territory, you know, um, in what is now called New Orleans, I just feel like you all kind of growing together. Um, Así se ve de afuera, por lo menos. I don't know if, uh, what, what you would say. Yeah, it, it, it is, you know, even through conflict and challenges and, and all the love and all the beautiful things that come with growth, you know, I think that that is what's happening um, and trying to figure out how to grow in healthy ways and sustainable mm -hmm. ways and regenerative mm -hmm. ways, you know, um, is is definitely part of <laughs> of all the things that we're all going through, you know and the conversations that are happening. What would you tell folks, um, I guess, in your experience, like you're doing the work, you're doing the interpreting, you're like on the Zoom calls, uh, wearing the fancy headset, the whole thing, and also like doing the solidarity work. What would have, yeah, what would you tell folks about this? What, what would you recommend or um, what would you want people to know? Uh, there's so many things that people should know about this. I mean, it's not easy, <laughs> for sure. You know, I don't think that it comes easy um, to try to figure out how to uh, work in in good ways. Um, I think that we're putting into practice what we are envisioning as a collective, um, as a community. And there are challenges, there are conflicts. You know, I think that... Uh, being open to it, um, having some type of transformation happening afterwards is is the key, you know, to figure out how we can also stay committed to our self-transformation and growth, but as a collective and as a community um, has been very important, you know. Um, and I think the love, you know, the mutual support and and the, the love is, is really what keeps us um, wanting to grow together and wanting to, you know, uh, go through the challenges of, of that growth. Well, I want to thank you uh, for being on the podcast. I want to thank you for all the work that you're doing. Thank all the Banchas, everyone at Familias Unidas. Um, we're sending a lot of uh, love your way. So muchísimas gracias. Thank you. Se les quiere. Hola, Ada. Hola, Patti. I am here with Patti Urrutia of Sensontle Language Justice Co-op. How's it going? ¿Cómo andas? Uh, it's going well. I mean, it's 2020, so that's all I can say. <laughs> it's going. Um, Patti, you are a worker owner of Sensontle. Um Tell us about how it's going. How is interpreting from your house, interpreting from a computer? How's all that going? Before pre-COVID, I never did remote interpretation. Um, it's something that I didn't know enough about. And I always, uh, you know, say no to those kind of gigs. Uh -huh. um, so since then, you know, like it took me a little bit to get used to and learn everything. But now I feel more comfortable doing it. Um, I still would rather be in person if COVID was not a thing, but it's a good alternative that I feel more, definitely I have learned and I feel more comfortable with it than I did eight months ago. 
So what kind of gigs are you taking? How often are you taking gigs? What does remote simultaneous interpretation look like for you? I have a couple gigs that are like always the same gigs a week. We're doing uh, quite a few gigs for the county and for the city, uh, especially when it comes to updates um, with the COVID situation in town. Um, but also the good thing about remote interpretation that now we have more gigs that are from other states. So we're doing quite a bit of um, interpreting for different organizations in Arizona, in uh, New York. So it, it has opened, um, you know, us to more different things that we were doing. But the, what are what are some of the challenges um, that you're feeling with remote interpreting? I mean, obviously, the technology is the fact that, uh, it, you know, remote interpretation was new for so many people, not only as so many organizations didn't know, A, that it was possible, or B, how to go about it. So we always run into the issues that the link wasn't set up the right way, that some people don't have the latest version of Zoom, then, you know, like things like that. Um, so those are the challenges that we have. Um, but I feel like, you know, and especially at the beginning, it was like chaotic and like, well, this is the version that you need. You have to pay the subscription. You have to do the link mm -hmm. this way. Um, I feel like most of our gigs that are with the same organizations, now we can't have it all together and they always send the right link. They tell us far about, you know, events and stuff like that. But but yeah, they're still talented and still always when there's a new organization that hire us, they're still like, you know, we have to go through all the steps within and make sure they understand and how to assign interpreters. Um, mm -hmm. So yep. that that's the talenting part. Yeah. Um, are there other other challenges? For, I think in my view, it just uh, definitely remote interpretation is not the same as in person mm -hmm. in many ways. But one way is that the conversations even though that it can be really fluid and they are really fluid, they don't seem as maybe natural as the word or like human as an in-person. <laughs> uh, and you can see, you know, most times you can see people's faces, but sometimes their camera is off and it just kind of like becomes uh, a little bit colder than yeah. in-person interpretation. I, I agree with you because I think that one of the things for me and, and we sometimes uh, work together and, and have gigs um, online together it's like that, you know, like when you went to a conference or you went to a meeting, you kind of like got some of that feeling, right? Mm -hmm. Even though you're in the back and you were the interpreter, like you, you came away with some of those feelings. And I think when I log off of a Zoom call, and I mean, I think this is happening for the participants as well, but I think that I don't have that same kind of like, mm -hmm. like my, my spirit is filled. I feel more mm -hmm. like... I feel more tired. I feel more drained. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm with you on that one. Yeah. And I'm it doesn't feel like one. even though you work with the same, you know, like the organization, but it, it doesn't feel as you're building a connection as you did yeah. before. Because yeah, yeah I think like I with agree. interpreting in person, there was like, you got there before and then it stay after and you kind of like talk to people. So that social mm -hmm. aspect is, is gone. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. Is there anything that you've been enjoying about remote interpreting? Um, I mean, I have been enjoying, as I say earlier, having new gigs from like completely different places, uh, meeting new people um, virtually, 
um, you know, being able to stay home during these times, I knew mm-hmm. that I was not going to be going in person. Um, so having the option to still, you know, ha- go like get gigs, but doing it from home. So mm-hmm. I'm enjoying that too. And this is about to get really nerdy, but Patty, you and I um, and some other compas uh, figured out a remote interpreting hack. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you tell us uh, more about this hack that we um, <laughs> discovered, painfully discovered? <laughs> yeah, and I don't even remember. It wasn't <laughs> you that brought it up. I don't remember how it came to like me and more people like, okay, how can we figure this out? Uh, but yeah, basically it was, okay, we have figured out how to do interpretation on Zoom. People can listen mm-hmm. in Spanish or in English. It's super comfortable for participants to be in a bilingual conversation. Mm-hmm. Okay, how do we do it for live streaming? Mm-hmm. And because it was always when an organization was going to live stream their event, it was just in one language. So we were trying to, and we did figure out how to live stream the same conversation, the same Zoom call or um webinar in spanish and in english for facebook or youtube or you know yeah those two platforms right right because if you go directly from i told you all this was going to get nerdy (laughs) if you go directly if you are streaming your zoom meeting directly from zoom to facebook it will not take the interpretation exactly you need to find a hack yeah Uh and i have a good talent and if you want to, <laughs> and if you want to find out more, there's a there's a video and a step by step guide. Um, so if this is like if you if you are the person who's like yes, I am trying to live stream, um, hit me or Patty him hit me or Patty up. And if you're like I have no idea what they're talking about, ignore us. Just forget it. You don't need that hack. <laughs> sí, exactamente. Um, Patty, is there anything else that you want to add about like this this moment, this time? Yeah, messages that you would send to your other interpreters. Yeah, just you know, I think everybody's going through like really talented times, um, and trying in my case figure out childcare interpretation working. You know, like it just it's all over the place, and I think that. So many people are in the same space and then you just have to do what you can um, and know what you can do. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Patti, for for coming on here, for telling us about how it's going. Um, I love nerding out with you on all this remote <laughs> uh, simultaneous interpreting thing. I can't um, wait so for many. the next talent. <laughs> Looking forward um, to see what it is. Exactly, exactly. So thank you so much for for being here. Gracias. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'll see you virtually. Yep. (laughs) I te mando link. (laughs) I want to thank our guests, Hannah Tallenberg, Judith Azarez Nieto, and Patti Urrutia for coming on the show. I'm Ada Volkmer of the Center for Participatory Change. Please subscribe to the podcast, rate us, like us, follow us, leave us a review. Follow Cerveza Escucha on Facebook, Instagram, ya saben. On Twitter, we're at SVSE Podcast. And you can email us at svsepodcast at gmail.com. This episode edited by Somos de Mente. Music by Combo Chimbita. Chimbita.